Uh, you might want to open up uh, your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, there is a sermon outline as well if you need one. If you don't have the booklet, it'll be in the version bulletin. Uh, the Burwood Board Games is a terrific opportunity not just uh, to meet the Burwood AM congregation. In fact, a lot of people turn up uh, actually uh, the high school and primary school age kids. And even though Chong said you'll learn a lot of patience playing board games with them, it's not true. Uh, it's likely that you will get trashed by them. Uh, as John O'Co found out, uh, playing with a kid one-third his age. Uh, Justin C. is looking forward, by the way, to next week's board games uh, to actually uh, play with you, and he hopes there'll be a comeback. And so uh, he, he was really excited when he found out his board games next week. So John O'Co, uh, he's looking forward to, to that. Uh, let me pray for us. Gracious God, we do thank you that you speak in and through your word. Uh, we want to pray the words of Psalm 1. We want to be, we want to know your blessing uh, as men and women who seek to meditate on your word, as men and women who want to find ourselves planted by streams of water so that in every season we might flourish. And so we do pray right now as we come to your word that by your spirit you might do your good work of drawing our hearts and our minds more and more to see you in your incomparable love uh, and in your unrivaled power. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it's generally true <clears throat> that when you are in the presence of greatness, your, your heart and your mind stops focusing on anything else around you. In fact, everything else around you disappears, uh, and then the, your heart and mind focuses on the greatness before you. Is generally true in all of life. Uh, that's what happens uh, when you meet your heroes in life. If you've had the opportunity to meet some of your heroes in life, uh, that's what happens. Uh, one of my friends lined up with three of his teenage daughters a couple of years ago. They lined up for hours uh, on Pitt Street. The line went for a couple of blocks. They lined up a few years ago because his three teenage daughters wanted to meet and greet One Direction because they were signing CDs and uh, posters in the city. And so, you know, this middle-aged guy, he stood in line with three of his teenage daughters, hundreds of other teenagers there, all talking about One Direction, holding One Direction posters, merchandise, wanting to get it signed, and also to get a photo with One Direction. And the closer they got, they got the more excited all the girls around him uh, would get. Uh, they're all talking about them, until finally they get to the front of the line. Uh, and, and if you're wondering why my friend was there as a dad, I thought, wow, you're a really good dad, you're prepared to do that. It was because the three girls, his teenage daughters, they figured when they got to the end of the line, someone had to take a photo. Who's going to take the photo for them? So dad came along to take the photograph for them, and that's what he did. But this is what happens. Whenever you're in the presence of greatness, your heart and your mind stops focusing on everything around you, and you begin to focus solely on the greatness before you. That's what happens when you meet your heroes in life. Uh, you stop thinking about yourself, and you start to think more and more about them. They become the focus of your attention, your adoration, your love. You get lost in their presence. Now, I want to say to you, the same holds true uh, in prayer when it comes to the Christian life. I don't know whether you realize this. Uh, we saw last week, and if you missed it, please go and have a listen to it. We saw last week that prayer according to Jesus, notice verse 9, begins with knowing who you're speaking to. Uh, in whose presence you are speaking to. Because knowing God as Father who loves you, 
Father who is committed to you and knowing God in heaven who rules over all, who's greater than your circumstances, gives you assurance and confidence when you pray. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, pray our Father in heaven. Love and commitment for you without power over your circumstances, well, is good, isn't it? To know someone loves you, uh, but they don't have power over the circumstances, well, it's good, but it doesn't give you assurance and confidence It doesn't assure you that they can actually help you, even though they love you. Uh, But power, without love and commitment for you, it also sounds good, but it doesn't fill you with assurance and confidence because you don't know if they will actually help you, even though they've got the power to help you. Uh, Which is why the opening verses are so significant. God is both a father who loves you and is committed to you, and God is both a father who is king, who rules over all. His throne is in heaven. He's powerfully greater than your circumstances, which means as you come to God in prayer, Jesus says there is no greater love you can, you can seek. There's no greater power you can actually come to or know. And so it should be no surprise. The first thing we are to seek, the first thing we are to desire and ask for, notice, is for God's name to be made holy, to be exclusive and set apart, for his kingdom rule over all to come, and for his will to be carried out. Those three things. The first thing Jesus says we should pray is for God. <clears throat> kind of weird, isn't it? The first thing we should pray is for God, for God's elevation, uh, for his honor, for his rule, for his will. Uh, Jesus says this is how we should pray. Have a look with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, now, for most of us, that seems rather strange because Jesus is saying, pray to God for God. Kind of weird, isn't it? Pray to God for God. But that, that's what happens in life uh, when you're in the presence of greatness or beauty. Uh, the focus of your heart and your mind is drawn to the greatness and the beauty before you. And so when you pray, you need to realize you are in the presence of nothing less than God himself. No one who is more committed to you in love and no one who is more committed to you in his power. God our Father in heaven. So it's no surprise that he becomes the focus of our hearts, prayer. The focus of our minds, thoughts. The focus of our adoration and praise. So here are the first three things we're to seek in prayer. And hopefully you see what you pray for. Right? What you pray for, whatever your personal circumstances, whatever your needs in life, whatever you pray for first is actually a reflection of whose greatness you are anchoring in life, uh, whose beauty has captured your heart, whose rule you love most, whose will you desire in your life. Right? So the first thing you pray for, what is most important to you in prayer, reflects those things in your heart. So firstly, Jesus says, have a look with me. Uh, Jesus says, pray, hallowed be your name. What does it mean to pray for the hallowing of God's name? Uh, Hallowed is a very old English word, and it just means holy. Uh, For something to be hallowed uh, is for it to be made holy. And so Jesus says, pray, God, may your name be holy. Pray that God's name might be made holy. And holy means to be set apart, to be put aside, to be made exclusive right? Uh, To be lifted up above all others so that there are no rivals. Now, holy is not a religious word. That's very important for us to understand, right? 
Holy is not a religious word. In fact, the more valuable something or someone is, the more holy they are to us. Uh, That's why certain things and certain people in our lives are more precious uh, to many of you than others. Uh, All of us here, by the way, have things and people that we ascribe holiness to in our lives, that we consider exclusive, great, above everyone else or everything else in our lives. Uh, So I think of um, uh, Kendra down the back, Chong and Kendra. Eva is holy to them, as are the other two kids, uh, holy to them. The children, right, are, are theirs above all. Without rival. In a room full of kids, their eyes are only for their kids. And if there was a fire, right, they would grab their three kids before they even helped any of you in this room. Why? Because for Chong and Kendra, their three girls are holy above all else. That's how life works. Uh, I think of Jaden over there. Oh, Jaden, Jaden, Jaden. I love Jaden, right? Because. Uh, he offered to sell me his phone a moment ago. And I said, oh, why are you selling me your phone for? And he goes, oh, I got a new phone, right? iPhone 14. And I was like, oh. And then he tried to sell me the, his, old, his old, like, Ultra. But then he was like, you know, he let it slip that he, he was going to sell it for a profit. And I thought, oh, gee, I'm not his friend. But, but for Jaden, when he gets hold of that iPhone 14, right, It's holy to him because there's none like it. It's better than his previous phone and all his other phones. There's no greater phone. It's precious to him. There are no rivals. He will customize it. It's holy to him. See, we have holy things and holy people in our lives. That's just how life works. You know, my daughter is like that as well, right? And I can share the story because she's not here. Uh, She has different handbags in her room. But there's one. There's one that's holy to her. Her Kate Spade one is holy to her. It's precious to her. It has no rivals because it sits above the rest, right, on display in her room, above all the other handbags, in worth and value and beauty, okay? It's not an unusual thing to do, to desire or want something to be made holy in our lives, because it says, this is what's most precious to me. This is what is supremely great in my life. It is the unrivaled treasure in my life. What stirs us, moves us, attracts us most deeply, what we are most protective of is what is most holy to us. And there are many other things in our lives that are holy. Our careers could be holy. Our work could be holy. Our relationships could be holy. And the greater something or someone is, the more hallowed it is to you. The more set apart it is to you, the more lifted up it is to you, the more it is holy to you above all. Uh, When Ash was a teenager, um, if you walked into her room, you could not see the walls, okay? Uh, and Bridget knows this because Bridget was her extreme leader. You could not see the walls of her room when she was a teenager because every part of the wall was covered with BTS posters, BTS pillowcase, BTS CDs on her shelf. Not that she would listen to CDs. She just wanted to have the collection. Everything's online. BTS books on her shelf. Even BTS jumpers in her wardrobe. You know, you walk into her room. I remember walking into her room, right? And I'm like, this is a shrine. This is a place of worship, you know? And, and it used to put me off because I'm like, it's just pictures of like skinny guys in, you know, that look really effeminate. And I'm just like, what the? Anyway, sorry if you're a BTS fan. 
But, you know, you walk into her room, and it's really her way of saying, BTS is hallowed to her above all things, everything else. She's lifting them up. She's holding them up. She's elevating them up. Now, it's, it's really funny when you hear that, but you know what? You and I do the same thing in our lives because we do it all the time for the things we consider great in our lives. We're no different. And so it's no surprise Jesus says that the first thing we're to seek, to ask for, to pray for, is the hallowing of your Father's name. Because there is no one greater, no one more attractive, no one more loving, and no one more powerful who's committed to you. Holiness is not one attribute of God. When we think of holiness, we think an attribute of God, like God is pure and God is good and God is powerful and God is wise. It's actually the one word that speaks of who God is in His exclusivity. It's not a description of what He is able to do. It's actually a description of who He is. Uh, In fact, in the Old Testament, the word holy is used to speak of God as uniquely God. There is no one like Him. He has no rivals. There is no equivalent in His love and power and compassion and beauty and worth and value. There is no one like Him. I'll give you an example, right? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25. Isaiah verse 40, 25. God actually says to the prophet Isaiah, To whom will you compare me? Can you compare God to anyone? Who is my equal, He says? The Holy One of Israel. And the answer? No one right? No one. He has no rivals. Now, the problem with us is when we think of God as holy, we, we think of God and we imagine a God who is cold. Isn't that right? You know, when you hear, oh, God is holy, we think of God as cold. God's holiness is not cold. In fact, God's holiness is, is not unattractive. The word is meant to carry with it beauty and warmth and heat God's holiness is actually supposed to be what makes Him desirable because He is above all. There is none like Him. There is none like Him in love and power. There is no greater treasure. Uh, You read Psalm 27 verse 4, one of a couple of psalms I have in your outlines, but Psalm 27 verse 4 is a fascinating psalm because in Psalm 27 verse 4, the psalmist comes and he's praying, uh, and then you read his prayer. What does he seek in prayer? And this is what we read. It says, one thing I ask of the Lord, right? Here it is, one thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And you sort of go, oh, that's cool, right? I want to dwell in God's house. I want to be with Him. But then it says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. The psalm, what does the psalmist seek? What does he pray for and desire? To behold to gaze upon, notice, the beauty of the Lord. That's what attracts him. The holiness of God above all things is his first concern because he's found in God no greater beauty. So he prays to God for God to have more of God's holiness hold his vision in life because there's no one greater. He prays not because God is useful, right? Notice the psalmist does not pray because God is useful, but no, he, he doesn't even pray because God can fix his problems. No, no, no. He prays to God because there is no one greater in his presence he would rather be with. And, and that's so different, if you think with me for a moment, so different to how many of us pray. 
Many of us, in fact, me included, the majority of us, we only pray because we think God is useful, not because He's beautiful. Isn't that right? We pray because we think, oh, you know, God can fix my problems, but we don't come to Him because He's attractive or beautiful or desirable. And so it's worth asking, isn't it, when you reflect on the Lord's Prayer, uh, do you come to God because He's useful, because He's desirable? Is it His fatherly love and His power over your circumstances that attracts you? Many of us pray because we think God is a useful God, not because He is beautiful or attractive. You know, I think of that song we often sing, right? We haven't sung it for a while. I, can't, I don't even know what we're singing today because I came a bit late. <clears throat> but you know, we sing that song, Our God is an Awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. I think, you know, we sing that song, but in the deepest recesses of our hearts, we're actually thinking our God is a useful God. He lives to give me what I want. And so, so you know, you should really be singing, right? Our God is a useful God. He lives to give me what I want. Right? Seriously, because that's how we approach God in prayer. But the psalmist is so different, isn't he? And so the first thing Jesus says, pray for the magnifying of his name above all, that God might be holy above all. The unrivaled vision in your life and the lives of the people around you. That his incomparable love, his unmatched power, his unrivaled beauty, his majesty, his worth and value will be the singular and the sole vision that rules the eyes and hearts of all people. That's why I said at the start, what you most desire in your prayer, what you most seek and pray for, is always an indicator of who or what you most value and consider great and holy above all in your life. That's the first thing Jesus says. Secondly, here's the second thing we should be praying for. Um, And it's worth remembering that the greater or more holy something is, it also follows that you would also want that greatness to be made known to others. It makes sense that you would want others to share in that greatness or in that holiness. You want others to be ruled by the holiness that has captured your heart uh, to, to share the experience you've come to experience. And so notice the second thing Jesus says pray for is, your kingdom come. He says pray asking that the holiness of God the hallowedness of his name, pray that his unmatched fatherly love and power, his unsurpassing beauty and worth, might rule over all, okay? Might capture the hearts of all people, that all people will surrender to the holiness of God. Let your greatness in your love and rule capture the hearts of all people. That's what you're praying for. Now, again, that shouldn't be a surprise because isn't that what we also want um, for the things we consider great in our lives. You know, the things we consider great in our lives, and this is what we often want, we want others to share and experience the greatness of what we consider great in life. Uh, we want others to surrender to it and enjoy it. If God alone is holy and there's no one greater in power and love, no one greater in beauty and worth and value, then to be ruled by that greatness is to be brought to the greatest possible joy and happiness you can know. And so it's no surprise that you want others to share in that. Uh, in fact, in the Old Testament, the kingdom rule of God is always associated with blessing. That's how it works. works. Wherever God's rule comes, blessing comes out of that. Peace, prosperity, safety, healing, harvest, 
restoration, abundance. Give you one example. Psalm 132, verse 13 to verse 16, right? Let me read that for us. Psalm 132, it says, For the Lord has chosen Zion, He has desired it for His dwelling. The Lord God has chosen this people and this place, and He's going to make it His dwelling. And then He says, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned. Here I will rule. That's what God says, right? And then it says, I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor will I satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation and her saints with ever, will ever sing for joy. And, and it's, it's not the first time it happens in the Old Testament. It happens repeatedly, which is why it's there in your outline. You're going to discover in the Old Testament, every time the rule of God comes, blessing comes. It's marked by provision. It's marked by safety. It's marked by peace. It's marked by salvation. And it's marked by joy. And, this, and so the psalmist constantly seeks for the rule of God to come because the rule of God satisfies the longing of the human heart. It gave, brings peace. It brings prosperity. It brings blessing. And, 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 and so it's no surprise if you've never realized this, nothing should give us more joy than when others come to share in what we consider great in our lives, Right? It's true. Uh, there are things in our lives uh, that we consider great, and when people actually share that jo- that the great in that greatness with us, uh, we experience greater joy. In fact, we want them to share in those things. That's the reason why here at Grace Point, uh, there are many, many Facebook groups. Right? There's the fishing group. There is uh, there's like you know on Facebook right. There's fishing groups, photography group, coffee enthusiast group. Uh, then there's also cat appreciation group, cycling group, gym groups. Uh, that's you know, and 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 on Facebook. Sometimes you can even join uh, groups that are outside this church. Like I'm part of a meat smoking group, and then I'm also part of like a British Short Hair Appreciation Society Australia group. Um, and and how do we? And, and and the crazy thing is, we promote those groups, don't we? We add people to it, and then we post to it, right? And when we post to it, you know, we do it because we want to share. We want others to share in the joy of the same things that we enjoy. And when they like it, right? our joy increases because they are sharing in the joy of what we consider great. I do it all the time, right? Every so often I post uh, pictures of Muchi, my British short hair, on the British short hair appreciation group. I don't do it in the Grace Point group because if I did that, you guys don't appreciate my cat, but I'm part of the British short hair group, right? I post it there and everyone appreciates it, right? Everyone makes comments and, and I am sharing what is holy to me, my British short hair, right? Muchi. And then what happens is other people like it and they are sharing in that joy. That's how it works. That's the reason why we click share buttons when we find something we enjoy. That's what's happening in prayer. If there's no one who can love you more as a father, if there's no higher throne that can bring you the security you need, if there's no one more more able to carry you in your circumstances, if there's no one more in control of your future, if God is holy and above all, then to be ruled by His greatness, overcome by His love, consumed by His power, captured by His beauty, brings you the highest joy you can possibly experience. And so when you share it, Others come to experience that as well, and your joy explodes because others are sharing in that which you consider great. And so the second thing Jesus says is pray for His kingdom to come, for His rule to expand, which is to our joy as others come to share in this, 
because there's no greater joy they can be brought to, no greater holiness they can know. Jesus says, pray for the growth and spread and expansion of His kingdom rule, that the rule of God the Father will come and fill the earth, will capture the hearts and minds of men and women around you in your workplace, because there is no one greater in love and power. But there's a third thing that follows, and have a look with me. Jesus says, pray that God's will be done on earth as in heaven. Whatever God wills from His throne, let it be done here on earth, in my life, in my work, in my circumstances, in my adversity, in my trials, in my suffering, in my marriage, in my relationships. Pray that as He rules from His throne in heaven, His will might be done and carried out here on earth in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. Now, there is a progression, right, with the three things Jesus talks about, because notice he says, pray to God the Father who loves you, pray to a Father whose throne is above all, so we pray, holy is your name, there's no one greater we want to lift up, your kingdom come, there's no greater rule that will bring people joy and security, and then lastly we pray here, may your will be done. Because if God is holy above all, incomparable in love, unmatched in power, unrivaled in beauty, and if it's, and if it's His kingdom rule that we seek to see extended, if that's true, then only the carrying out of His will will achieve that in our lives and the lives of others. We want God's will to be carried out so that His kingdom rule will come. In fact, in the presence of greatness, I never ask greatness to bend or to conform to my time schedule, to my plans, to my will, to my convenience. Whenever you are in the presence of greatness, love, and power, you are always willing to conform to them. Do you, have you ever realized that? Why? Because I want to share and I want to enjoy and experience their greatness, their love, and their power. You know, when my friend and his teenage girls were waiting in line for, I think, three, four hours to meet One Direction, they didn't think... Oh, my schedule doesn't work. Uh, we should let One Direction know Friday 4 p.m. would be better because it's not a school day. And so this is crazy. Like, he, they're definitely not a Tiger dad uh, because it's actually a school day. And uh, so obviously they jig school to stand in line to go and meet One Direction, the three teenage girls. Uh, but I thought, well, guess what? There were hundreds of other teenagers there who jig school. It's crazy. But what actually happens is, in the presence of greatness, what do they do? They cleared the calendar to stand in line for hours because they wanted to share and enjoy the greatness of One Direction. They said, this is when One Direction is scheduled to meet and greet fans uh, and to sign merchandise. One Direction, your will be done. Your schedule is my schedule, right? Your time is my time. That's how it works in the presence of greatness. We bend and conform our will to theirs. Now, if that's hard to imagine, well, imagine you have an opportunity to have an exclusive one-hour lunch with Bruno Mars. He played last night, I think, at Olympic Park. Someone here was telling me. And let's say you won the opportunity to have lunch with Bruno Mars. You know, uh, you, you know Terence down the back, you know, there was some uh, TikTok competition and then you, you entered and you won it. Uh, and they call you. After church today, you get a phone call, right? And they say, hey, you've been picked out of this TikTok competition with scheduled lunch this coming Saturday at the Sheraton where Bruno is staying. What do you say? You say, oh, hang on, hang on. Let me look at my calendar. 
uh, Saturday is really inconvenient. It doesn't fit my schedule. Uh, maybe Friday, 9 o'clock is better for me. That's when I'm available. You reckon Bruno can fit my plans? Yeah, bend to my will? You don't do that, do you? And no. What happens is you are on the phone and you say, Bruno, your will be done. Your schedule is my schedule. Your time is my time. Why? Because it's your greatness. I want to enjoy and experience. That's how it works. Can you see that? Submitting to the will of the one we consider great, to the one we consider holy, unmatched, unrivaled in love and power, surrendering to His will is actually what brings us joy and pleasure and delight. God in His holiness above all, and I used to say this to Ash, is greater than any K-pop band, any relationship, any possession, any job or career or holiday. To submit to His will is to be brought to the highest possible joy you can know. Coming under His rule and submitting to His greatness is to be brought to the highest possible happiness you can know because of who it is you're submitting to, who it is you're surrendering to, not just to anyone, but to a God who is a Father who loves you, a God who is a Father who rules on a throne above all, a God whose holiness is unmatched in love for you and power in your life, a God whose kingdom alone brings everything we need. That's why Jesus says, pray your will be done on earth as in heaven. Effectively, when you pray like that, it's actually saying, God, I want you to execute your purposes in my life. You're saying, God, bend my will, conform my will, my direction in life, my schedule, my priorities to yours. Not just today, but tomorrow, but also in the circumstances I find myself in right now, because it will bring me the greatest joy I can know, and it will bring you, as my Father in heaven, the greatest praise when my will submits to your will. Notice that in Jesus' approach to prayer, praying to God for God is the first thing we're to seek. Okay? Praying for God's greatness, His love and power to be lifted up, for us and all people to come under His rule, uh, for His will to be carried out and executed in our lives. That's the first thing we're called to pray for. But notice this, the greater God's holiness is lifted up, the greater His rule, the more His will is done, the more joy you and I experience. That's how it works in the Christian life. In praying to God for God, we're actually asking that God alone might actually be the source, uh, and not just for ourselves, but for others, might be the source and supply and provision and answers in all of life for us. But we're also praying that others might also find in Him their supply, their provision, their answers in life. And so I want to encourage you this week, you know, when you get together for prayer, maybe in community groups, maybe in your personal prayer, prayer time, as you pray, before you even come and ask God for stuff, because we do that quite instinctively, you know, fix my problems, fix my issues, give me this, give me that, before you even bring your daily bread to Him, seek your daily bread from Him, before you even bring your needs, Jesus says, pray that God Himself might be the bread that fills you, the beauty that captures you, the love that comforts you, the power that keeps you, because there's no one like God your Father. So this week when you pray, pray, God, your name be hallowed 
in my life above all. May your kingdom rule come in my life and the people around me. And may your will be done in my life, my family's life, my marriage, my work, my relationships, my circumstances. That, Jesus says, is your greatest need, which is why it is placed first in the Lord's Prayer. That's your first need. It's the need of every heart that you and I might come to see the holiness of God in His love and power above all, that you and I might come under His kingdom rule so we experience blessing and flourishing, that you and I might actually bend our wills to conform to His will, for there is nothing that will bring God more praise and nothing that's going to give you more joy in your circumstances. When our lives are captured only by His greatness, when His love and power overwhelms us, when our lives are surrendered to His rule, and when our lives are aligned to His will. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, we want to come to You because You are our Father in heaven. You are the God who loves us deeply, more committed to us than we realize. You are the God who sits and thrown in heaven. There's nothing in our life that escapes your power, your control, your rule. And so we want to come to you, and even before we bring all our personal needs, we want to come and we want to say, hallowed be your name. We want you to be lifted up, not just in our lives, but the lives of the people around us. We want to ask that your kingdom rule might come so that we and others might experience blessing and flourishing, because where you rule... As the psalm says in Psalm 1, there is flourishing when we are planted in the right place. And we pray that you might bend and conform our will to your will so that your purposes for the hallowing of your name in our lives and for your rule in our lives and all around us might be fulfilled. And we ask this so that we might know the joy of knowing you and we pray and ask that as that happens, you might be praised in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.